Well, as you have your Bibles and electronic devices, I'm going to ask you to either click to or turn to Matthew chapter 26. And this is, this is kind of a standalone sermon and not really a standalone sermon. Is next weekend, we're going to launch into like a 10-week series walking through the book of 1 Peter. It's, it's a book that Simon Peter has written. And so tonight, I, I just thought it would be kind of good just to get to know him as an introduction to that. And then next week, we're going to start a verse-by-verse, sometimes a word-by-word journey uh, through the book of First Peter, and you're going you're gonna to see a change in his life. See, there, there came a real change in Simon Peter's life, and, and I don't know if you're like me, but I, I, I can relate to Simon Peter. Now, listen, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of pastors, and when they preach, they make fun of Simon Peter. Uh, they laugh at him, and they make fun of him because he had a lot of what-was-he-thinking moments, right? Simon Peter's the guy that's always, he, he's always saying something before he thinks. He's always doing something before he thinks about it. And, and so as a result of that, for pastors sometimes, Simon Peter's an easy target, right? And so, you know, it's in the back of my mind is one day in heaven, I'm going to have to face him. And he's going to talk to you about all those sermons that I writ, had written about him or the jokes I made about him. But when I look at Simon Peter's life, I, I, he's that guy I can relate to. I hope he's that guy you can relate to. Because Simon Peter wasn't perfect. Simon Peter had those moments of what was I thinking. Now listen, maybe you've never had a what were you thinking moment. Listen, I'm, I'm from Texas. <laughs> we live with what was I thinking moments, right? I mean, that's the famous last words of a Texan is watch this. And, and so I've, I've had plenty of those moments, not only in ministry, in life. I told you that last weekend, I told you the story when I was mountain bike, biking with my, with my grandkids and I decided I didn't have a helmet because I didn't think I needed a helmet because I'm just with kids. And then I found this big hill that went 20 feet down and thought I could do it. And I couldn't. I went head first and split my eyebrow open and some other things. And it like traumatized the grandkids. And so for me, that's like a what was I thinking moment. And now, you know what? Now I don't even know what to do with that. Uh, my wife is a nurse and she says, you know, suck it up. You don't need the emergency room. We got new skin, which is like, I don't know if you know what that is. It's like super glue. And so the only problem is they, they super glued it over my eyebrow. And so I think I'm going to, to get the new skin off, I'm going to have to rip my eyebrow off. So when I, when I show up next weekend, because I decided, you know what, I am going to wait until after the last service, rip that off so that hopefully, and I know I, I, asked, I, asked, the little, I asked the Google, and eyebrows grow slow, and so I'm going like, to need it to grow back before next weekend. But I've had, those, I've had those what was I thinking moments. I've had them in my life, and I've had them in ministry. Uh, th this morning, I, I, did a, I did a wedding at 10 o'clock, uh, 12 o'clock here, and I had another one of those what was I thinking moments. I don't know where it came from, but I interchanged the word funeral. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I interchanged the word. I used the word funeral instead of wedding in front of everybody. If you want to take if you want to take a wedding to new heights, <laughs> use the word funeral in front of. I had a bride and a groom right here, and they were already sweating until I said funeral. And then I mean, it it, it literally got awkward, and uh, I had to apologize, and I said some weird stuff after that because then when I get nervous, I say really weird stuff like, "Boy, my wife is going to kill me when she feels like finds out I said this." Nobody cared, and so. Uh, <laughs> So Simon Peter is this guy. Simon Peter is this guy that had these what was he 
thinking moments. And so, so I, I, I want to talk to you about one of, the, one of these moments because we, we've watched Simon Peter, if you've read scripture, we've watched him stumble and we've watched him struggle. We've watched this guy fall. But this night, I mean, this night for him, it's, it's going like, to like change everything. It's one of these experiences that, that well, for Simon Peter, it had to be one of those, these seasons that he would say, man, I, I regret that. You ever had those experiences in your life? You, there, there's something in your past that, like, you regret. There's some people that will tell you, and I think it's crazy, but they'll tell you that you should live your life so you don't have any regrets. You ever heard that? Someone says, you know, I'm living my life. and You know what? That, that is just absolutely not true. The only way you and I can live a life without regret is live a perfect life. Only one man was able to live a perfect life. His name was Jesus Christ. And so every one of us, regardless of what we tell ourselves, we're going to end this life. We're going to walk through life, and we're, we're going to have some regrets. And so, but the deal is, is not your regrets. It's what, it's what you it's what you do with these regrets and so for us this should be an encouraging message and it's going to help you to understand and see a change in Simon Peter's life to where all of a sudden he presses into God more something changes in his life at this moment see I think it's a defining moment in the life of Simon Peter Simon Peter would probably tell us and maybe you maybe maybe this would explain your testimony but Simon Peter would tell us this that that day that denial of Christ, so he's, he's just not going to have a lapse of faith. He, I mean, he, he is going to, like, deny Christ. I mean, after he made a huge confession uh, that you're the, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God, I mean, it, it was huge. And then all of a sudden he has this moment. And so Simon Peter may refer to this night or this day as his worst and his best day at the same time. Maybe you've had that. I have. After a decision that I made way in, in, back in college, it was, it was like the worst day of my life, but it became the best day of my life because all of a sudden Christ made himself known to me. I accepted him. I came into the local church, and for, for me, like everything changed. When we, were in, when we were in Zimbabwe, and I'm not at liberty to tell you the story, but when we were in Zimbabwe, uh, every morning before we headed out to Mimbezi and, and did, did ministry for those that were marginalized and the orphans and some of those other things, we would gather around and we would, we would open scripture together. We'd life journal together. There was this man from our church. There was this man on our trip, and, and he told us his testimony. And he told us about his worst day of his life that became his best day. And he gave a testimony because his worst day became his best day because all of a sudden something happened and God made himself real to him. And as a result of that, he pressed deeper into him. So, so tonight, I, I, I just want to give you two things, just, just two principles tonight, that some of the things that uncommon people do. I mean, Simon Peter was one of the, the, these, the, these, the, these, these people that was, he was just uncommon. He was uncommon after this event. He was uncommon in a lot of ways. And if you want to live an uncommon life, because there's a lot of people that live a common life. In other words, a common life, their life kind of blends in with the world. It blends in with everybody else. And the world would, would look at their life and say with their decisions, some of the things they do, nothing makes their life different. Nothing makes their life uncommon. And so, but Simon Peter was this guy, and he, he had this uncommon life. And so just two principles if you want to have an uncommon life. The first one is this, uncommon people apply God's word to their life uncommon people apply God's word to the life and listen that word apply is very important I didn't say uncommon people just read God's word I didn't say uncommon people just study God's word listen I think all of those things are very very important I think all of those things are very very critical to the Christian life 
But uncommon people don't just read God's word. They're willing to apply God's word to their life. In other words, they're, they're like willing to take the next step. They're willing to live it out. Jesus Christ is the one that says this, is the blessing comes not when we just hear the word, but when we apply the word. James is the one that said this, and I mean, James, I mean, James was, in fact, as we looked at, it looked at James chapter 2, verse 14 last week, and James said it just, just very direct. He said this, that, that we should not just be hearers of God's word. In other words, we shouldn't just listen to a sermon. We just shouldn't just read scripture. And then all of a sudden we go back to life or business as usual, that we should not only be hearers of God's word, and, but doers of God's word. Because when we do God's word, something happens. And so Simon Peter was one of these guys. And I, I want you to understand the context and what's going on. Matthew chapter 26, verse 30, it says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And so, so they, they've just finished like an incredible worship service. I mean, they've done the Last Supper. Jesus is with them. Jesus is talking to them about God's word. And he's talking to them about the things that are about ready to come. And they had, they had just left one of the greatest worship services of their life. I mean, this was one of the worship services. We may frame it like it was electric. It was exciting. I mean, you just kind of feel the presence of God. We, we may define it that way. But this, this worship service, I mean, this worship service was a worship service. It was all worship service. Jesus had, had, had been with them. He had been with the disciples. They were in the upper room, unbelievable setting. And Jesus had, had they had worshiped together. Jesus had taught. I mean, how can it get any better? Then Jesus being the guest preacher, right? Then Jesus opening up the scrolls and opening up the scriptures. And how could it get any better? And all of a sudden, they'd finished this worship service. But listen, even though the worship service was a fantastic service, and it was, and even though the worship service was meeting with Jesus, and they did, they, they still had to put it in action. They still had to apply what they had heard and applied what they what they lo- what they what 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 Jesus had told them, and so they're they're walking they're walking from the upper room and they're walking down to the to, to the uh, to the Mount of Olives. They're going through the Kidron Valley, and so Jesus breaks the silence. Matthew chapter twenty six, verse thirty one. Jesus said to them, "There's some powerful words." He says, "You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd; the sheep of the flock will be scattered." But after I am raised up, I will go before you in, in, before you to Galilee. And so all of a sudden, Jesus, I mean, Jesus is giving them a warning, but he's giving them a promise at the same time. Listen, whenever Jesus gives us a warning, whenever Scripture gives us a warning, it's always fo- followed by a promise. I mean, it, it's a warning that, listen, you're all going to fall away, but, but in, in, he didn't say you're going to lose the faith or anything like that. He didn't say you're going to abandon the faith. He just says you're, you're, you're all going to fall away. But... Be encouraged, because I'm, I'm going to go ahead of you. I'm going to go ahead of you in Galilee. In other words, I'm, I'm going to be waiting for you. And so now then, all of a sudden, Jesus is engaging them in Scripture. And so, so then all of a sudden, Simon Peter, right? Uh, he's, he, Simon Peter is an extrovert. Um, I mean, Simon Peter, you know, if you've ever been around extroverts, then you, you know this about extroverts. Or maybe extroverts, maybe you're an extrovert. Someone in a meeting, someone in a question, ask a Ask, or someone in a meeting ask a question, you're always the first one to answer, whether you've thought through it, whether you've thought through the implications. I mean, I mean, right? I mean, you, you just answer that. And see, this was Simon Peter. And so Simon Peter, verse 33, Simon Peter says, though they, so who are the they? That's the other disciples, right? You ever, you ever been in a room and people are talking about you like your family? And you're like, hello, right here, I can hear you. 
I mean, I am in the room. I know I, sh I, I know I did that. I know I said that. So this is what's happening here. And he says, though they all fall away because of you. And Simon Peter says, I, I will never fall away. And just a few weeks prior to this, Simon Peter had, had professed Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and he answered it correctly, and so he gets like four gold stars from, from Jesus, and, and now all of a sudden, he may be a little prideful, we get that, and he's like, you know what, even if everybody else falls away, I, I, will, I will not fall, fall away. You, you know what Simon Peter is saying? Your word doesn't apply to me. Jesus, I, Jesus, I know you use the word all. Maybe you didn't realize I'm, I'm into all. And I just want you to know that in this instance, your word doesn't apply to me. In other words, in other words it's, it's a place of, of danger for every one of us. When we get into that place and we think, you know what, that word tonight, that word in the sermon, uh, that word in this message we just heard, that word that came in, in worship, whether by song or whatever, you know what, that word, that was like, that was like for, for, for everybody else. In other words, what, what, the principle is this is what Jesus is trying to say, guys, your faithfulness today does not guarantee your faithfulness tomorrow. This, this is so hard for us to understand, right? This is so hard for us to get, and this is so hard for us to understand because we can all have those moments where we think, you know what, I, I, I finally got this. I finally arrived. I, I finally got this down. Or someone in our, our life, we feel like, you know what, they, they have it. And then all of a sudden, they make a decision. And so Simon Peter is like saying that, you know what, in this situation, your word, Lord, your word doesn't really apply to me. See, see we, may, we may say this in different ways. We may say this in subtle ways, like, like, like we may say stuff or we may not say it out loud because we know we probably shouldn't say it out loud. Um, but, but we say things like, oh, man, I hope my, my, I hope my husband heard this one. I, heard, I hope my wife heard this. Oh, how she needs to apply this message to her life. I hope my kids, I hope my kids heard this. Or you know what, in the midst of the sermon, you know what? I, I know right now who I'm sending this message to because they need it more than me. In other words, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll get into this place. In other words, if we're not careful, we'll hear a message, we'll read a scripture, and we won't try to get what we need out of that text, what we need out of that message, and immediately we'll say, you know what, and we'll think of someone, someone else needs to see, this is what Simon Peter's doing, and, and, and Jesus is trying to help him, listen, we've got to understand, Jesus is trying to help them, Simon Peter, you are not above temptation, you are not above falling in this area, see, this is what Simon Peter's problem was, all these other guys, they're at risk. All these other guys, they're at risk. They're probably going to fall in this area. Me, I'll never fall in that area. Jesus, even, even if I have to go to the cross with you, even if I have to die with you, he'll say that, verse, verse, uh, verse, 30, verse 34. And so then, then Jesus, and here, here's the interesting thing. Jesus now, and Simon Peter still doesn't get it. So Jesus now singles Simon Peter out. In verse 34, Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all of the disciples said the same. In other words, in other words, with Simon Peter, he's saying, you're, you're going to have a lapse of faith. And Simon, you're, you're, you're going to deny me. And notice, here's the interesting thing, and it's kind of subtle in this text. 
Jesus didn't say this about the other. He singled, now, now he singled Simon Peter out. Of the others, he said, you're just going to fall away. With Simon Peter, he said, Simon, you're, you're, you're going like, you're, you're to like deny me. And so Simon Peter didn't, still didn't apply his word to his life. He still didn't even make the corrections, even though Jesus like pressed it in on, it, on, it, on his life. And in just a matter of minutes, and see, here's what's happening. And I think this is really important. I want you to understand this, but I think this is just really important for us to understand. Jesus is about ready to make Simon Peter apply this passage to his life. He's going to put him in a situation. See, this is why it's so important for us to apply God's word to our life, because I believe that's when we really learn. And sometimes I, sometimes I think we need an experience, and I think we need an encounter that exposes or explains truth to a deeper level in our hearts where we would never go otherwise. That's why I think, and I've talked about a lot, and I probably will talk about a lot in the days to come, about just my experiences in Mbezi and in Zimbabwe, the mission that we established there. It was my very, very first time to really be around marginalized people, to really be around people that were just poor and just, and they, they didn't have a voice and they didn't have any power and they, didn't, they, they, they just literally had nothing. And I lived with them and I had no idea what God was going to do in my life in that, in that 12 days. The scripture that would come to mind. The, the, the struggling through scriptures to reconcile some things as you, as you dealt with them. And then, then at times, if I'm honest, conviction. When we gathered in a worship service together with them, I'm just telling you, they had more joy than the average American. Fact is, on the flight back when I finally got Wi-Fi and I, I could, you know, reunite with the Google, uh, I, uh, I asked the Google for what are the happiest countries in the world. I was expecting America to like peg the meter and be number one. Can I tell you this? America is all the way down to 18. Most proper, prosperous, successful country, nation in the world. I mean, we have, we have like everything right, and yet we're like, we're like number 18. And so when I, when I, when I worshiped with these guys and and, and when, I, when, I, when I prayed with these guys, there was, there was, something, there was something totally different. After, after this experience, all through Scripture now, I see at a deeper level that God cares. Man, God cares about the poor. God cares about how we handle the poor. God cares, and see, sometimes it's these experiences that help us. That's why it's so important for you to be involved in ministry. That's why it's so important for you to be involved in a life group. Because it's in life group, it's in ministry. When you start doing life with other Christians and you start having to flesh out scripture, sometimes what we need, we need an encounter. Sometimes what we need, we need an experience. Sometimes what we need is God to put us into place to where we have to, we have to step out in faith or we have to trust him in an area or we have to activate his word in our life so it's no longer just theory to us, so it's no longer just just, just teaching to us to where all of a sudden it's manifested itself in our life and it, 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 it's, it's just become real. It's just, it's just become real. I mean, when, when we were there, we, we told them that one of our team members uh, like needed prayer. And so they don't, they don't ask if they can pray for you. They don't even ask if it's appropriate. They do not care because they believe in prayer. And when we said that, all of a sudden, all of the pastors, these men, 
they gathered around and they don't they don't do like Americans like 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 they don't pray one at a time and like go around the circle and we'll go counterclockwise it'll be your turn your turn your turn and if you don't want to pray that's okay just squeeze the hand of the person next to you that'll be our signal you're not comfortable praying and so just go around the circles right if you if you've been in traditional Christianity you know that whole drill right you know that routine that's how you do it it's always counterclockwise and the first person starts you go around the deal and if you don't feel comfortable praying you don't have anything to pray you just kind of squeeze the person's hand next to you and that is a signal and every every Everybody's okay with it that you're not going to pray and we need to move we need to just move on because you know what we got lunch coming we get we got to get we got to get out and not in not in Mimbezi. and so we told them listen I have never experienced I have never experienced prayer like I did there because you know what with Americans we like to say God is all we got we got health insurance we got 401ks we have life insurance we have we have we have emergency funds. We have, we have jobs. We have all, n- n- not there. God is all they have. And all of a sudden, this prayer service, this spontaneous prayer service just erupted. And it, in voices, it was like an earthquake because everybody's praying at the same time. Our whole team says, you know what? We have never, ever, ever experienced anything like that. You start reading through scripture when you're in that environment. And all of a sudden, you realize that, guess what? God cares a lot about the poor. God cares a lot about the marginalized. God cares a lot about people who are hurting. He cares about widows. He cares about orphans. In fact, is you, we, we just see it when, when, when you've been there. Like, like when we were life journaling through, through, and we still are through Daniel, but the first part of Daniel, when Daniel goes to Nebuchadnezzar and kind of rebukes him and says, you need to, you need to repent, you need to break from the past, you need, to start doing, you, start, you need to start doing good. And then he says, oh, and by the way, you need to care, take care of the poor. God cares about how we handle our resources. God cares about how we handle our money. God cares about how we handle the less fortunate. When we were there in Mbezi, just one last story, and we'll move on because we saw so much there. But I told you that the, the chief had heard that we were in town, and we'd been there, you know, once a year for eight years, and we put in a lot of stuff, and we've changed. Fellowship of the Rockies has changed that area. We're really the only Christian work working there. And so the mayor came and said he'd like to have a, a meeting with us. And listen, being being a little bit cynical about these things you know I was expecting I was expecting the chief to show up and want more because we had done so much and start asking us for more and so we, we sat down and we had sudza together and 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 what I think was chicken and uh <laughs> just a little bit of ADD moment uh my wife was so obsessed by this she would count the animals running around where we were and we showed up and she says Charlie I hate to tell you I think we're eating the white chicken today I cannot find the white chicken I said you've actually counted the animals yes I've counted the animals three pigs one's gone I think we've had a pig I think we've had their pig I think I know which one it was and now we're eating the white chicken I cannot eat (laughs) whatever so anyway so so the chief showed up and the chief um, shook our hand and we're eating suds together and says, I just want to tell you thank you. And then I'm talking act stuff, right? And then all of a sudden the chief looked at us and said, listen, I don't even know how to say thank you. I can't understand why Fellowship of the Rockies, why a group of Americans would leave what you have and come here and help us. And you guys have done so much. Because of Fellowship of the Rockies, we, uh, we have clean water for the whole village. Uh, we have orphans that, that are getting education being provided for. 
And so here, so he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give your church 10 acres of land. You realize we own 10 acres of land in Mimbezi, Zimbabwe right now? He said, I'm going to give you 10 acres of land. If you will just continue on, you just don't stop. And he said, we're not stopping. We're coming back. And so sometimes, listen, I'm just telling you all that to say, sometimes we need to be in a position. Sometimes it's good in your life and my life when God presses in on you. And we're going to understand this about an olive press in just a second. And, and, uh, and we've we got to get moving because you've gotten me off subject. All of a sudden you got me talking about Africa and you, it's your fault. And now I've wasted some minutes. But sometimes God has to get us in a position. Listen, it is a good thing. A lot of times we as believers, we are frustrated when we've got to live out our faith, when we've got to take God's word and apply it to a marriage or God's word and apply it to a business or God's word and apply it to a situation. And God is trying to bring us to the point where we live it out. And so watch this, then verse 26. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here, watch with me. And so all of a sudden, Jesus has a lot of emotion. They're headed into a prayer service, verse 39. And going a little farther, he fell on his face, prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Uh, verse 40. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Simon Peter. So obviously, Simon Peter was asleep too. I mean, don't be too hard on Simon Peter. Have you ever fallen asleep when you prayed? Remember, you're in church. You cannot lie. You ever fall asleep when you're praying? You ever ended up at Walmart when you're praying? Right? Or doing a, doing a, doing a to-do list, checking email, and says, what am I doing? I was just, I was just like praying. Uh, years back, a church that we were at, we started this, this prayer deal called Watchmen on the Wall. And so we had four people, it was just off the principle of in, in the Old Testament, we had four people, 24, I mean, I'm sorry, 24 hours a day, we had people praying for our church. Four people one hour they prayed at their home and so my I was you signed up for this and so my time was three in the morning and the way watchman on the wall worked is the person praying before you would call you you'd answer your phone as back in the days when we actually had landlines and and you know you wake up the whole family and so they would call you and say this is Jim I just finished praying you're up and then you were the watchman on the wall and you prayed for an hour three in the morning I cannot tell you how many times I fell asleep so let's not be too hard on them. I mean, they're, they've just eaten a big meal. They've just come off of a spiritual high. And so, so then Jesus says, could, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Listen, there is something powerful about corporate prayer. There is something powerful about when you join with other believers and you begin praying. There is something that, that happens in that in that in that moment and so but but these disciples they they fell asleep at, at like different times we pick up the story in verse 50 and it and then it says and Jesus said to them friend do what you came to do in other words the, the Roman guards are coming then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him and behold one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of, of the high priest and cut off his ear now the gospel John I mean, this is so fascinating to me. Matthew doesn't call out Simon Peter, right? He just says one of the disciples. Gospel John. John says it was Peter. See, I think John's still upset about some things about him and Peter, and I can go through that. And so he calls him out in front of everybody. 
In other words, it's another one of those what was he thinking moments. And maybe, maybe, maybe at this point, Simon Peter was thinking, you know what? I'm not, if I have to die with him, I will. But remember, at this time, he's in the presence of Jesus. He's in the presence of the disciples. He's in the presence of community. And maybe he felt bold. The third or the second and the last thing about this, about, about uncommon people is this. Uncommon people maintain accountability in their life. Uncommon people understand that, guess what? I am not above temptation. I am, listen, I am willing. I am willing to live an accountable life. Man, it's for, it's, it's for my safety. It's for my safeguards. And so, when someone around me speaks into my life, and say, we got some concern about you in this behavior, in this thing, we got some concern, then, 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 then I listen. See, uncommon people understand that, guess what? We need people around us, and we need people that are objective and not emotional. We pe- need people that love us. And, and this is verse 58. Let's just go through this. And so, and Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and going inside, he sat with the guards uh, to see the end. Now, here's an interesting thing. Simon Peter no longer has any accountability in his life. When he was with the disciples, when he was in Jesus' presence, when he was with them, he, you know, he, he did uh, say some things he shouldn't have said. He did try to cut off the ear to try to protect Jesus, and, and maybe there's some reason for that. But now, all of a sudden, it says that, that, Jesus, that, that Simon Peter went from a little lapse of faith where now all of a sudden he's following him at a distance. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever gone through a season where, where all of a sudden there was a time you, were, you knew you were in God's presence, you were around disciples, you're around Christians, you're in a life group, you're in a Bible study, there's, there's, there's some sense of accountability in your life, but all of a sudden you either have a lapse of faith or, or you make a decision or, you, or choice, and then as a result of that you'd say, you know what, now I'm following at a distance. I'm no longer serving in ministry like I once did. I'm no longer really in a life group like I once was. I'm no longer really coming into community like I once did. In other words, I'm going into this place where I'm following at a distance. You see, this is Simon Peter. In other words, there's no longer any accountability in his life. Nobody's calling him out. Nobody's saying you better be careful about this. Verse, uh, verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were the, with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it. So now he's really denying Christ. Before, before them all saying, I do, not know what, I do not know what you mean. You know what Simon Peter's doing? He's trying to fit in. He was defending Jesus against the guards, the Roman guards. Now he's sitting with them. And a little girl comes up and says, aren't you a follower of Christ? Weren't you with him? And now it's total, full-blown denial. And Simon Peter is like, well, Simon Peter's no longer living such an uncommon life. He's living a common life. Now his life looks a lot like the Roman guards. Now his life looks a lot like this, those that aren't really following him. Now he's just trying to get some 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 information i mean we know this right and we talked about this 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 last week but but words matter your words matter and my my words matter 
when we're traveling when we're traveling through through Africa, and I mean we we flew into some we flew into some small airports like in in Zimbabwe, I'm in in uh, Bulawayo. I'm sorry, uh, in Zimbabwe, but we flew into Bulawayo, and it's everything that you would imagine of a of a of an airport. I mean, we still don't understand it, but you probably don't care. It's just it's just this is just free, okay? When you get on a South African Airlines once you're in, in country, you know what they do? They fumigate it. They walk, they walk up the aisles. They warn you before with a bug bomb, and they set it off, and they spray everybody. And so they tell you if you wear contacts, you better close your eyes. And, and, so, and so they did that, and then we, we left Johannesburg. We're, tr- we're flying into Zimbabwe and to Bulawayo, and so we still don't know what happened, but we were, we were coming in about ready to land, and then the, 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 for something happened, and the, 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 uh, the pilot took the plane and went straight back up, and so we went, okay, we're going to go around. We'll try it again, and so we're just thankful to be alive. And so, uh, and so but in, in when you go through immigration in Johannesburg and Bulawayo and some of those other places, there are signs everywhere that says it is not a joke. If you joke that you're a terrorist, have a bomb, going to take over the plane or anything like that, you will be arrested. Words matter. I mean, words can get you thrown in jail. Words can get you prosecuted. And so his words matter, verse 71. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl came and saw him and said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it in an oath. And he says, I, I don't even know the man. Verse 73, after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are, are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a, court, a curse on himself, and, so, and he began to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed, and, and, and Simon Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will, you will deny me three times. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. And Simon Peter was overwhelmed. He had been with Jesus for three years, and, and all of a sudden he did something that he said he would, he would never do. The rooster, when the rooster crows in our life, it's a reminder. Here's, here's just an interesting fact. Most theologians will have found and will teach that it was, it was on the second crow of the rooster that Simon Peter denied him. Jesus always gives us a chance, in other words. He had a warning. The first crow of the rooster was a warning. He denied him after the second one. Sometimes we've all heard the rooster crow in our life, right? It may be a phone call from a friend. It may be a conversation from a friend. He says, hey, I've, I've seen some behavior. Man, I love you. I care about you. I just want you to know that if you continue to head down this road, it will not end well for you. I've just I've seen some things. Maybe 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 it's come in a sermon, or you've heard a verse, or you heard a teaching, and you say, you know what? That's me. I'm headed down that road, and it and it's it's a it's it's a warning to you. Maybe maybe it's a worship song. Maybe you've been in a worship service. It's this worship song, and it's just convicting, and you know you need to change some things. Or, or maybe, maybe it's in life journaling, and it's a scripture that God gives you. Maybe it's a tug at your heart. But this, listen, I'm telling you, this is why it's so important to stay accountable. It's so important to stay close to one another. When you, when you look at this, you, you find that, 
that the Mount of Olives, he was in the presence of God with the disciples. He was in accountability, and he moved from there to following at a distance. And so when he followed at a distance, it's when he regretted what he said. But God changed everything in John chapter 21 when he reinstated Peter, uh, Simon Peter. And that's what we're going to talk about next week as we walk verse by verse through 1 Peter. Would you bow your heads with me and, and close your eyes?